It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. The other day I was praying for someone, um, yeah, someone in my life, a, a friend whose daughter is dating somebody who doesn't who isn't following the Lord. And I've been praying for him. And I'm like, oh man, I, I hope that he comes to know the Lord so that they can have a, a faith relationship and share that together. That'd be so precious. And so that she would have a man of God in her life, you know, all these things. And the Lord just, oh my goodness, hit me like with this. Actually, yesterday I was driving to work and I, all of a sudden I got stopped dead in my tracks as I was praying. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't want him to know you for the sake of that relationship. Mm-hmm. I want him to know you because if he doesn't, he's going to hell. He's not going to get to spend eternity with you. Like I want him to know you because he's not saved. And I want him to know your love today, but also for the rest of his life. And whether that relationship, however that relationship shakes down, Lord, I want this young man to know you. Would you reveal him, reveal yourself to him in a powerful way today? We, there are just people all around us every day that we bump into at the gas station, at the restaurant, at church, who don't know Jesus. They really don't. And it's so easy to assume that certain kinds of people don't have struggles or that their struggles aren't very deep. Like the pastor at church or yeah. or the people on staff at your church. You know, they look all put together, but you know, they're they're human beings. They bleed like you bleed and and so we don't ever want to assume that oh, they're all taken care of. They're deep mm-hmm. enough in God. They don't need anybody. I'm a pastor's wife, so I can speak from that perspective. Yeah. We've gone through some really difficult things as a family. And there have been many days that we've showed up on Sunday morning put on a smile, mm-hmm. and made it through. Just literally just made it through mm. because what we were going through was so crazy rough. And, you know, we're not going to probably take the platform and air all our dirty laundry and such, but it's just true what you just said. Everybody's going through something. Mm-hmm. How can we be the love of Christ to them? How can we remind them about who Jesus is and the truth about who he is? I think of our friend Aaron Bullduke, who just, he lives here in West Michigan. He's going to be on our show in a bit. And, you know, he's just such a, a winsome sharer of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so he and his friend were at this restaurant. They talked to the person that was waiting on them. It was a woman. And the, and Aaron just said, hey, this might sound weird, but is there anything we can pray with you about? And she just started crying. Mm. She started crying. And they got to pray with her. And it looked like she was all put together until Aaron said, is there anything we can pray with you about? Mm -hmm. It can be that simple. It can be that conversational. I don't know who you're going to bump into today, but I know that you carry a peace that they need. I know that you carry in you the spirit of God and a hope that they need. So let's be ready today to share the hope that we have in Christ. If you want to be a mature follower of Jesus with deep roots, 
don't run from suffering. When I think of someone who's walked this out, I think of my son, Taylor. But before I share his story, listen to what Paul says about suffering and what it does in our lives. Romans 5, rejoice in your sufferings. What? Yep. Rejoice in your sufferings because suffering develops patient endurance. And patient endurance develops your character. And proven character leads you to hope, hope that you will one day be with Jesus and like Jesus. Proven character comes our way through the door of suffering. My son Taylor was loved deeply by me and Teresa as we raised him. We poured love into him, but deep inside he felt like an orphan. There was a part of him Mm -hmm. that felt like an orphan, that he was on his own, that he had to perform to get our love. He caught some messages from me that he had to earn my love. And in college, he started questioning his faith because he felt like this orphan little boy that needed to earn God's love. Mm. But instead of rejecting his faith, he pressed into suffering. He wrestled deeply, sharing his pain with me and Teresa, being super honest, and also sharing his pain with one amazing mentor who's still speaking into his life. Thank you, Lord, for bringing him into Taylor's life. In the pain and suffering, the light began to dawn uh, for Taylor. I really am loved and pursued passionately by the Father. The wrestling isn't over for him. It never is for any of us on this side. But Taylor's suffering has made him into a compassionate man who's reaching people who seem unreachable. And he wouldn't have the deep roots he has now Mm -hmm. without the pain. Yeah, the pain you know, causes us, I think, to press deeper into the heart of God. And we have a choice. You don't necessarily come out of pain better if you don't choose to press into the heart of God. But if Mm -hmm. you do, you can come come out with such a deeper faith on the other side. Something sweet gets birthed there Mm -hmm. and gets nurtured in that space where you're seeking, when we're seeking God. And I think that's what suffering does, right? So suffering causes us to seek God and realize that he is the solution more than when we're comfortable and cozy. Yeah. And when we, when we suffer, we can get bitter. We can choose that path and it will, that bitterness will destroy our lives. But if you're suffering, you know, just throw yourself on Jesus because mm-hmm. he, he always makes something good out of it. Cause it's, it's been the same for me in my journey there is deep pain I've experienced on my journey, probably not as deep as yours, but it's, it's what I've experienced. And some of that pain has been my fault, brought it on myself. A lot of it just from being in this broken world. Mm-hmm. But if I had a chance to go back and avoid the pain, I'm sure I'd be tempted, but I don't think I'd change it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd change anything because God has used it to grow me up, to give me roots. So if you're in pain, God is with you. It's not that he's punishing you for your sins. Maybe you've been thinking that. That's not why you're going through it. He's using it to mold you into the likeness of his son. When you feel like you're just overwhelmed, do you ever wonder if, I don't know, maybe you're just too much? For God. Maybe your need is greater than his ability to provide. Mm. I felt that way. 
I'm reading through Numbers 11 right now, and the Israelites are complaining about the hardships they're encountering as they're wandering through the desert, and God gets angry at them. And they start complaining again. They're complaining even more. They start talking about Egypt. They're like, remember when we were in Egypt and we could have all the meat we wanted at no cost? They're talking about Egypt where they were slaves, like it's some all-inclusive resort or like they're on some kind of, remember when we could just go to the buffet and yeah. just eat all the meat that we wanted? Selective memory. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And they're complaining about God's provision of them. He's literally making bread fall from the sky daily. He's providing for them. And they're just like, oh, not bread again. Are you kidding me? We want meat. So they're whining and whining is actually highly contagious. So even Moses starts complaining about the people. He starts telling the Lord, he's like, I didn't ask for this. I can't do this all by myself. These people are too much for me. I don't want to do this alone. And then God tells Moses that not only is he going to provide meat for the people, but listen, this is how Moses responds. Moses says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Moses is completely overwhelmed. He's going, Lord, this is a huge task. This is a lot of people. It's a lot of meat. And I love what the Bible tells us about its heroes, that its heroes are human beings with failures and flaws and mistakes. And Moses here is forgetting. He's forgetting what God has done. But I love it that the heroes of the Bible are not perfect. There's only one real hero in the Bible. It's Jesus. Right. Yeah. And the people, I think that our desire and our fantasy in our head is that it's like pre-Jesus, mess. Meet Jesus, perfect. And that's so unrealistic. That's not the story of my life. And it's not the story of the people in the Bible's lives. Oftentimes, it's two steps forward three steps back, Mm -hmm. five steps forward, two steps back. And so it's a journey. We got to keep being on the journey. But at this point in his journey, in Moses's journey, he just literally can't see how God's going to provide meat for everyone. It just feels like way too much. Like, Lord, (laughs) I'm wondering uh, about your ability to be able to pull this one off. That's really where Moses was at. And God's response is so great, as the Lord often does. He doesn't tell Moses what he's going to do. He asks Moses a question. He says, is the Lord's arm too short? Mm. That's his response. And Moses had seen God move in such a mighty way. I mean, come on, plagues, the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He's, he's literally dropping bread from the sky. Moses had seen God's provision. He knew God's arm was not too short. It was a great question for God to pose to him. It was really God causing Moses to reflect upon who he had been in the past. And it shows that we can wrestle with God and he's not going to smash us Mm -hmm. for wrestling and asking the hard questions. What a gracious answer, you know? Yeah. Is my arm too short that I can't do this? You know, he's, it's a merciful answer. Yeah, you know, Moses definitely had moments when he felt overwhelmed. And when he felt overwhelmed, he wondered, well, he felt like he wasn't enough. He really did. He felt like he wasn't enough. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Does your situation or, I don't know, your diagnosis, maybe your crisis or the financial need in your life, does it feel right now like it's maybe too big for God? 
Just take a minute or two and remember what God's already done. Is the Lord's arm too short? God heals every kind of disease. He mends broken hearts. He provides daily bread still. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He parts waters. He calms seas. He raises the dead. He saves sinners, and he gives them a holy purpose. My friend, you are not too much for God. You're not. He had you then, and you can trust him that he's got you now too. Maybe you know how hard it is to forgive someone. So painful to do that. So Brandon Heath is one of my favorite singer-songwriters and just love his music and I love his heart because he lets his heart come through. And he shared his story where he, he grew up and he grew up with a stepmom and he just really felt overlooked by her and kind of wounded by her mm -hmm. and hurt by her. And so he just carried into his adult life just some hurt, some pain, mm -hmm. some resentment toward his stepmom. But he was able to he was able to forgive her and he was able to let it go. And he was thinking about this and, and a song came out that, you know, I'm not who I used to be. I, I'm not that bitter young kid who just lashed out in my hurt. God's done something in my life and I forgive you. Mm -hmm. And he puts this song out that's a real story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I think we can all relate to being hurt, carrying on to carrying on with the hurt in our lives and how that kind of impacts us. And the reflective work has to be done of where did that come from? You mm -hmm. know, we have to be able to identify why was I hurt? Where did the hurt start? And how's it impacting my life today and my relationships? Because it does. We like to think everything is so isolated, but it bleeds into every other relationship. Yeah. But when we realize how much we've been forgiven, how scandalous the forgiveness of God is towards yes. you and me, it stirs us to extend forgiveness to other people. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. You're thinking right now, I don't know if I could do that. Just ask the Lord to, to make you want to forgive. Ask you, Lord, ask the Lord for the help. I think one of the things that confuses us about forgiveness is extending forgiveness feels like saying it's okay. And it's not okay. It's not okay. What's been done to you is not right, and it's not okay. But choosing to forgive is not saying that it was. It's not justifying wrong actions. It's saying, I am releasing myself from holding on to being bitter towards you and resentment. I'm, I am forgiving you and I'm breaking the tie that, that, that what you did, the impact that that will have in my life moving forward. And really when I forgive, I'm taking the payment instead of meeting it out on them, mm -hmm. causing them to hurt yeah. and punishing them, I absorb it into myself. And it's that's why it's really hard to forgive because when something wrong is done, some kind of payment has to be made, either the person who wronged or the person who's been wronged. That's, that's exactly Jesus. what Jesus did. That's Jesus. And so 
when you choose to forgive somebody, when I choose to forgive somebody, it changes us into something new, a new person, someone we were never before, a new creation. I am the youngest of four girls, and when I was, man, I was probably about nine years old, I I heard, you know, the word on the street, word on the playground was that Susan Catalano was going to kick my tail, hmm. and I was afraid. She was a tough cookie, and I don't even know what I did to make her mad. I just remember feeling so afraid, like, oh my goodness, this is not going to go well. I don't like the way you look, Byer. Yeah, something like that. I don't like the way you look. That's how she sounded back then. I don't know, but she was scary, intimidating, and I was so freaked out. And I remember one day I had, it was after school, my mom and two of my older sisters and I had gone to Fedco in Southern California to do some grocery shopping. We get back from Fedco, pop up in the trunk, we start to unload the groceries, and my neighbor across the street, Denise, said, you know, Shauna, can you come here a second? And I knew, because when we'd come around the corner, I'd seen that Susan Catalano was at her house, but she was not visible. She was hiding behind the camper and behind the wheelbarrow of the camper. And I just knew when I got over there, she was just going to jump me and just start, you know, punching me. Hmm. And I was terrified. So I tell my sisters, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go over there because Susan Catalano's over there. I know she is. So my two sisters who are four years and five years older than me, which at this point makes them like 13 and 14 years old. We walk, you know, that long walk across the street. I'm in the front, and I've got each a wingman on either side, slightly behind me. You got your posse. Dude, I'm telling you, yeah. I crossed that street with so much swagger. Yeah, man. I knew, Su- I knew Susan Catalano was there. It didn't matter, because mm-hmm. I had Jody, and I had Kelly. Yeah. And I walked with such confidence across the street. It kind of reminds me of, have you ever seen the image? I think I've seen this on social media, but there's a, a little lion cub and it's sitting very, you know, very innocently, just seated, confident. And the enemy is coming at the lion cub and the enemy starts to back down. And then you see the lion cub again and mama, she's mm-hmm. back there and she's fierce right and these you know those were that were coming after the cub are like oh heck to the no and they turn hightail and run so when you got over there was susan catalano there she was there sure enough and she had nothing to say to me (laughs) with my sisters there with me yeah yeah but just knowing that my sisters were there with me gave me this this holy swagger you know this swagger i knew that that they that they had my back and I don't know what what Goliaths are standing in front of you today or what feels like the enemy to you, but I know that you can walk confidently today with some holy swagger because God is not only for you, but he's with you. He's got your back. If someone you love is really suffering, it's hard to watch isn't it? Yeah. It's hard to watch them go through it. I don't want one of my best friends to keep suffering his lifelong mental and emotional and spiritual anguish. It's so hard to watch. I don't want to go through deep sorrow and suffering. God, just take it away. Mm -hmm. A wise sage once told Lee Strobel, 
once an atheist, now a follower of Jesus, God's ultimate answer to suffering is not an explanation, but the incarnation. God came into our world. The word of God that spoke the universe to life became flesh and bones. He knows suffering, not just Mm -hmm. in his mind, but it's an intimate knowing of suffering, an experience of suffering. Maybe you're broken. Jesus wept. Maybe you feel forsaken. Jesus screamed from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe you've been betrayed. Jesus was by one of his closest friends. Maybe your father or mother or wife or husband or best friend has turned their back on you. Every single one of Jesus' closest friends deserted Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Think of the most awful hell that exists in our world. The sex trafficking, Shauna, you saw in South mm-hmm. Asia. That's a, that's a real hell in right. the world. From a Nazi death camp, Corey Tenboom wrote, There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. God doesn't just intellectually understand your suffering. He plunged into it like into a a freezing ocean. Mm -hmm. He plunged in. When you suffer, he suffers. When you weep, he weeps. He feels what we feel because he's one of us Mm -hmm. now and forever. You know, you talked about just a minute ago about understanding how bringing understanding isn't going to bring about peace, something along those lines, that the, that the answer isn't in yeah. knowing why you're going through the suffering. Yeah. God's ultimate answer to suffering is not an explanation, mm-hmm. but the incarnation. There was an event that happened in our lives. It was actually in the life of the church, and it was something that was so wrong. Couldn't make any sense of it. Mm-hmm. Just, Just so wrong. And I remember crying out to God and just praying and saying, I, I don't understand. I do not understand why this happened the way that it did. And I I remember very specifically that morning being in the shower and crying in the shower as the water's falling on me and and just asking God, please help me to understand you. And as when I finished getting ready and I opened up the word and I sat with the Lord, my devotion for that day was Peace doesn't come by understanding Mm. what I'm up to in your circumstances. Peace comes by drawing near to me in the midst of your confusion. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. I mean, it was a direct answer to the question that I was crying out to God about. And it and it's so true. It's this the the withness of God, the fact that he knows suffering intimately. Not he doesn't just know about it. He's been through it. He he knows it. Everything that that makes our hearts break, he's experienced. Mm-hmm. And so, I think one of the things that the enemy does in our sorrow and in our heartache is to try to make us believe that nobody gets us. Like Perry, yes, nobody knows. Right, your the things that make you weep at night. Nobody knows what it's like to be you. He, he wants you to feel isolated in that. And the Lord comes to us and says, oh, I do. Mm-hmm. I know all about you. I know everything there is to know about you. I know every tear that you've cried. And not only do I know it, 
I've been with you in it. I'm I'm with you now. And yeah. I'm never gonna you're never gonna be alone in it. Yes. You're never gonna be misunderstood in it. Because Jesus came into this world and he went through everything that we went through to become, it says in Hebrews, a merciful and faithful high priest that we can come to and he empathizes with our weaknesses. And and when we we are overwhelmed and we don't know what to say or what to pray, we can just say, Jesus, just this the words Jesus, or just maybe groan, mm-hmm. you know, in our heart, out of our mouth. We're just we can't even put it into words. And Jesus understands. I love that that I can come to him. Hebrews 2.18, listen to this. Because Jesus suffered as a human being, he is able to help us when we're suffering. Do you ever deal with relational drama? Yeah, here. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, touche. Yeah, I mean, I had thought when I was in elementary school and things were rough and the girls were mean, I thought, you know, I can't wait to have this behind me. Huh? I don't know that we ever have it totally behind us. Maybe you've got some relational drama in your life. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's family. Maybe there's somebody who really likes to stir the pot. Ugh. How do you handle that? Hang on, let me rephrase. How do you handle that in a God-honoring way? Love to hear this morning. Moses had some family drama, believe it or not. I know we don't think, maybe you don't think about Moses in that way, but I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and I'm in Numbers. And in Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron are Moses' brother and sister. Miriam is his sister. Aaron is his brother. And they're talking about Moses, about his leadership, like Mm -hmm. behind his back and kind of talking smack about, and then they even start talking about his wife. They start making prejudiced remarks about her because she's from Ethiopia and Moses, he doesn't fight back. He handles this so well. He, I don't know, maybe he trusts that he doesn't have to worry about it because God will take care of it. Or maybe he's just exhausted dealing with the Israelites and all of the drama there that he's like, ugh, I'm not even going to give it the time of day. I don't know what, why he acted the way that he did, but he doesn't, he doesn't fight back. Maybe it's both of those things. I don't know. But God calls all three of them to a meeting. He's like, family meeting. <laughs> let's chat. Let's get the kids together and let's talk about what's going on. And he rebukes Miriam and Aaron. And he actually strikes Miriam with leprosy. I, why he did that for Miriam and didn't do it for Aaron, my best guess is maybe she was the one who was stirring the pot. Maybe she's the one who started it all up. Mm. I don't know. But he does. He strikes her with leprosy. And Moses' response to all of this is he asks God to heal Miriam. Mm. He cries out for her healing. He doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't think, you know what? That's what you get for talking about me behind my back. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even say, you know what? I think you'll think twice before you talk about my wife, won't you? He doesn't. He prays for her healing. How does he get there? Like, where does this come from in Moses? What was Moses made of that allowed him to pray for his mouthy sister and want what's best for her, even though she hurt him and she slandered his wife? Yeah. I think that the answer is also in Numbers because Numbers 12, 3 says this about Moses. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. I'm not making that up. That's straight up scripture about Moses' character. 
and also I think where Moses got his humility was his 40 years in the desert before the final 40 years of his life. Mm-hmm. First 40 years, he was in Egypt. He was trained in all of the ways that Egyptians are trained, Egyptian leaders. He was taught how to speak. He got the best education. And he did have a sense of calling for his people, but he tried to make things happen in his own way. So he he had some pride in his life at that time. He had some, perhaps some arrogance and maybe some presumptuousness. Mm-hmm. And he killed an Egyptian and he realized, oh my gosh, I... I should never have done that. And now the the Pharaoh, the king is after me. And so he flees to the desert. He spends 40 years in that desert and God humbles him there. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he becomes yeah. the most humble man. Right. He learned and earned that humility. Mm-hmm. He did the work that needed to be done to process what he had done against God, what he had done against, I mean, to, in taking human life. And God did the work on him to humble him yeah. and prepare him to be the kind of leader he needed to be. Yeah, and humility, I think, is the exact opposite of entitlement. And Moses didn't feel that he was entitled to, you know, or justified that Miriam would have this leprosy, you know, cast upon her or whatever. He he was humble. He He didn't resent her. He wasn't bitter about what she had done. It just reminds me of Jesus. You know, Jesus is on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So he's asking for their forgiveness, his enemies' forgiveness. And sometimes if it's your family, you know, throwing you under the bus, it's even more painful. And he's he's asking God to take it away. Very Jesus-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're holding on to resentment in your own life right now, maybe it is with a family member. I don't know. But you're just, you're finding it hard to pray for them. Maybe that idea never even crossed your mind. Like, oh, I can pray for that person who's stirring the pot and causing all the problems. Yeah, you can. You can pray for them. And maybe the key to dealing with your family drama today is your own humility to humble yourself. Ooh, I know that's a hard word. That's, you know, maybe you're even thinking, Shauna, you do not know the circumstances. You do not know what's gone down. And you're right. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just know that the Bible is God's way of showing us what's best, of showing us a pathway that you and I can follow. He showed us in Jesus. He showed us in Moses. God, forgive us for feeling entitled in our relationships. And we can choose today to pray for those who've hurt us. And where we've chosen to hold on to resentment, maybe right now is the time to let it go. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.